Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. Mark chapter 10 is where I'm going to read from today. Mark 10. Apologise, I've got a bit of a cold and that's uh, why my voice sounds a bit rough. But um, hopefully it'll be fine to get through this. Mark 10 verse 46 says, Then they came to Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man called Bartimaeus, everybody say Bartimaeus which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, notice that he couldn't see, but he could hear. If you're struggling to see what's ahead, sometimes the best thing is to listen up. They often do say that people with visual impairments have greater hearing as a result of their visual impairment. Heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth and he began to shout, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Shh. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He must be from Yorkshire. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet And came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, which means teacher, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight, praise God, and followed Jesus along the road. This afternoon, I want to to speak on this title here. I want to see. I want to see. And over the month of February, we're going to be sharing parts of the vision, parts of what God has placed on our heart and try and lead us into this season that we have as a church. And as we grow and as we take hold of this building, just a stone's throw from here, literally joins onto this building. If you haven't seen it yet, the last two Sundays we've opened it up so everyone could walk around it. An amazing, huge space. And uh, we're going to be renovating that soon. And we're going to be talking more about that on the 13th of February, but also over the next few Sundays. And we'll be uh, gathering the church together in March to receive uh, an offering for that. looks like March the 17th, because it's a whole big project that we're going to be involved with. And I want to just speak on this a little bit today, this message called, I Want to See. This passage in Mark really takes, takes into consideration three things. There's blindness. There is faith and then there is vision. Blind Bartimaeus, he even says it in his name. He is blind. He is unable to see. There is faith within him. And as a result, vision is restored to his life. They are three things that all of us often have to process in our own lives. One of them is blindness. And I know, you know, maybe very, in fact, I'm not sure anyone in here is visually impaired, although there might be a size of this room, uh, have some form of visual impairment. But many of us don't have visual impairment. You might be like you wear glasses, but your glasses help you with your visual impairment. But Bartimaeus, how many of you know he's blind? Okay, which means he can't see anything. 
And some of us have to deal with that in our own life, not necessarily physically, but sometimes we're unclear. We can't see where we're going. We can't even see where we're at. And there's a lot of confusion. It's almost like we lack vision in our life. Also, many of us have to deal with that sense of vision, that sense of hope and dreams for the future and what my life is going to attain to and where we're going to go and what we're going to do and where we're going to be. And in the middle, sandwiched between that blindness and that vision is faith. And faith is what ultimately takes you from that place of blindness to that place of vision. And the Bible is clear. Without vision, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, people perish. When people can't see where they are going, if the vision is not clear, the Bible says people perish. Actually, the true meaning of that passage in Proverbs is where there is no vision from a divine communication or revelation, which basically means where where God hasn't spoken or where you've been unable to hear the divine revelation or the divine communication of God, either through his word or through his voice. The Bible says people run wild. Okay? And as you run wild, that can often lead to death. Proverbs in the Old Testament is really often referring to many of the Israelites who decided not to hear from God or to turn their back from God. As a result of it, did not get divine revelation. And as a result, they ended up going wild with their lives. And how many of you know that resulted in a lot of death for Israel, you can read all that through the Old Testament. Without vision, the people perish. And we believe God gave us a vision for this church because we don't want to perish, we want to live. And so when we started this church, we believe God gave us clear and clarity in our vision. Now, I believe every church around the world should really have the same vision. No matter what country you are in, no matter what denomination you are a part of, no matter what style you are, whether you have a drummer or you don't have a drummer, whether you've got lights or no lights, they are insignificant. Every church, I believe, should have the same vision, which is really the gathering of the saints, the ecclesia, the church community that come together. There is worship that we participate in. There is the discipling of our faith and discipling of the saints. There is our reaching of the lost, those who don't know Jesus. There is the impact of the world. And there is like the communion of the believers, the fellowship. And so whether you are, I don't know, a Baptist or a Methodist or Pentecostal or whatever kind of stream you're from, um, the vision for every church should really around the world be the same. But within those churches, some churches like ours decide to have a bit more of a a specific focus within that overall vision. And we believe God called called us here in Leeds, here at North Church, to build a church. And you can see it out in the hub and you can see it on our website, everywhere, to build a church for the city. Notice it doesn't say for the qualified. Notice it doesn't say for the wealthy. It's not for the young. It's not for the perfect. Otherwise, none of us would be here. It is for the city, that we would gather a church for the city. And so we established our values and we have four values as a church. Number one, Jesus is who we love to follow. Number two, the word is how we love to grow. Number three, people are who we love to serve. And number four, community is how we love to live. And so those four values underpin, they're like the foundations of what we do as a church. They are non-negotiables. 
They're really important to us. We're not going to start following anyone else other than Jesus. No matter how gifted or talented someone might be, Jesus is who we love to follow. Okay, we follow Jesus. The word is how we love to grow. There might be great books and great videos and great YouTube clips all around the world, I'm sure, giving wisdom and inspiration. But we've made a decision as a church, the word is how we love to grow. We've made a decision, people are who we love to serve. And we made a decision, community, doing life with each other is how we love to live. That forms our values. But we also have our vision, which then celebrates those values, which is called For the City. And I've realised in life, it is values that help you live your life. Everyone needs some values. Okay, every house, every home, every business, every person needs to have values. What are values? They are what become valuable to you. They are the standards as to which you choose to live your life. As a home, in our family, we have values. We, we say grace together. We eat together. You don't get off the table until you said, thank you for my dinner. Please, may I leave the table? How many of you know that's important to us because it's a value in our home. When we put our children to bed, we speak to them. We pray with each other. We don't shout and argue in our house. We don't throw rubbish all around the house. We don't climb on the roof and do whatever we want. <laughs> like, we have values, standards, and they form the foundation. And so they help us live our life, but it is vision. Everybody say vision. It is vision that helps you to run. Vision helps you to run. Values help you live, but vision helps you run. And I want to run for God. I want to run in the kingdom of God. I am a runner. I love running ever since I was a kid, running away from my mum and dad. I love to run. And even now as an old man, I still love to run. And I run on the treadmill as much as I can. If I can't get a treadmill, I run outside. There is something about stretching those legs, opening up those lungs and just flying. And I say today, I declare, I'll give any of you a race. Over 5,000 meters. And I think I've got you. Are you ready? He's ready to go. I'm not sure. It's a big statement, but I'll, I'll happily... I love to run. Abs loves to run. And maybe some of you are more into lifting weights. That's fine. Some of you are more into yoga. Pilates. Abs likes Pilates. I'd come downstairs sometimes. Abs had the TV on. Candles were going. Abs is there. So I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm doing Pilates. There'd always be a nice coffee and lovely music and it's all nice. I just come back sweating, look like I've died. I'm a runner. I love to run. But I can't run if I cannot see. And I know in, this, in the uh, Paralympics now, those who can run, some of you go, well, actually, how about they're doing the Paralympics? They are guided round. They are guided with, with visually aided runners and so they're able to guide and technology has helped so much in the process but the bible is very clear without the ability to see it is very hard to run so I have a cook chapter two says write down the vision make it plain on tablets which is basically like huge pieces of the modern day paper or posters so or screens they had tablets big concrete tablets in those olden days 
so that, the Bible says, a herald can run with it. Habakkuk is saying you need to make the vision clear so that people can run with it. And I believe we have some runners in this church. I believe some of you are wanting to run in the kingdom of God. Some of you probably prefer to sit back and watch everyone else run. But I know for a fact there's some of you who want to make a difference. Some of you who want to fulfill purpose. Some of you want to build the kingdom of God. Some of you are runners and maybe you are a little dusty and maybe you are a little rusty. Maybe you need to lose a little bit of like excess spiritual baggage. But I believe we have some runners in this church. Therefore, as we cast vision, the Bible says, the heralds, us guys can run with it. Any runners in this place today? Fantastic. We have some runners in this church. I'm not talking about physical runners. We have them too. But I'm talking about those who want to follow what God has set out for us as a church. You know, recently my car windscreen has got really dirty. I don't know if it's because of the grit or because we're in winter. And it's been like messy and I keep squirting the windscreen, you know, to clean it to a point where I've used all the cleaning fluid. And a couple of weeks ago, we're driving down on the motorway, the M1, which is challenging enough. And I'm like, literally, it was so bad. I'm trying to press the button, like nothing's coming out. I'm like, this is, this is, this is, this is not a joke anymore. This is dangerous. I literally, I'm trying, you know, when you drive and you're trying to look, look underneath patches of dirt. And literally, we pulled over onto the hard shoulder, which I know is not a right thing to do. But I'm like, if I don't do this, it's, it's more dangerous for me to drive an extra four miles. So we pulled over and I bottle of water and cleaned the windscreen because so much dirt had got on it. And I didn't have the ability to clean it. And it became dangerous. And life is difficult and challenging enough. The M1 is difficult and challenging enough. Without the distraction of all of the dirt and all of the stuff that hits our life, which ultimately brings distraction and the inability to see clearly. And I believe maybe it's a picture of how some of you feel right now. You're going somewhere. You want to head somewhere. You're on that car. You're in the right, you're moving in the right direction. But it's kind of difficult to see where you are going. I pray today that you might be able to see and get some clarity and get some vision in Jesus' name. Here we find Bartimaeus. His name is Bart, which means son, Timaeus, which is the name of his dad, Timaeus. So Bartimaeus literally means the son of his dad, Timaeus. Sounds like he didn't even have his, scholars believe maybe he didn't even have his own created name. You know, like I am Dave and my son is Jay and my other son is Sonny and my other son is Gabriel and my other daughter is Seren who woke up this morning and saw what I was wearing and said, Dad, you're wearing far too much black. She says, you need to wear some colours. So next week I'll change what I'm wearing. She's four years old and giving me fashion advice. She's right though. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, he didn't even have a name, maybe because his disability made him invisible. It's almost like not even any point giving him a name because he can't see, he's not going to be able to do much with his life. So let's just refer to him as the son of Timaeus. People often thought through this time when Jesus walked the earth, 
through the Gospels, people often thought that disability like blindness or maybe other ailments like leprosy or the Bible uses a word which I don't really like in modern times, but the Bible often uses the word those who were crippled, those who had such a disability. The Bible often talks about how people used to sometimes think that that was judgment on their life. Or they were sinful and as a result, because of your sin you are blind or because of your sin you are a leper. And we know that is not the case, that the goodness and the grace of God doesn't bring a curse on our lives to make us blind or have certain ailments or diseases. I hope you know that in church today, that if you're struggling with certain things, certain things are often the consequences of our life, but I don't believe it to be God's judgment on your life. And so during this time, people would have seen Bartimaeus and judged him. Quite rightly now, people with disabilities such as blindness or other impairments are quite rightly given support. They're quite rightly given help. They're quite rightly given opportunity and equality. And that is a good thing. But back in the day, that did not exist. Braille wasn't really a thing. (laughs) Guide dogs probably weren't available for Bartimaeus. Technology didn't really give Bartimaeus any chance at all. And so therefore, the one thing that he can do is sit at the roadside and beg. So not only is Bartimaeus blind, he is also poor. He is blind and he is poor. And he is begging on the side of a road. And the lack of vision that Bartimaeus experienced closed the door to his potential. Any potential that was in Bartimaeus was closed during this time because he was blind. So therefore your opportunities are you can sit and you can beg. Those who were lepers, those who had leprosy were so you know, maligned and, 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 and ignored and excluded. They didn't have opportunities to unlock potential. They were disregarded. That's why I love Jesus. The Bible said Jesus would always go and speak with the leper. He'd even touch those who had leprosy. He didn't ignore those. He included those. Where everyone else stayed at the distance, Jesus included them. But he was close to the door of his potential. But what I love about this story is Jesus is about to open that door. You know, Jesus opens up potential like nobody else. And I believe every single one of you in this room has potential in your life. And I believe Jesus is the best at unlocking that. And I believe he is the best at opening up the potential in every single person and Bartimaeus begins to hear use his ears to hear that Jesus is around did I hear Jesus is around Jesus is around and he's heard about what Jesus has done before and he's like if he can do it for them maybe he could do it for me and from his blindness Bartimaeus begins to shout Jesus son of David have mercy on me you know when the Bible says he shouted sometimes we read that as Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But when it says he shouted, he shouted like you shout at your kids when they don't go to bed. Like you shout at that driver when they chop you up at the lights. 
God bless that Renault Clio. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's the finger you use. It's always it's the best finger to use. He shouted and shouted. The Bible says in verse 48, people rebuked him, told him to stop, and told him to be quiet. Shh, stop it, Bartimaeus, be quiet. They're putting him back in his place. This blind beggar, back to your place, back to your seat. You don't have any opportunity, you're not welcome here. And we can often be judgmental of that. Oh, that's so unkind. But we can often do the same thing sometimes. We can often put people back in their position. We can often tell we have the same kind of hierarchical judgments over other people sometimes in life. They told him, they rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And I want to say to some of you this year, I don't know who this is, but for some of you in the room, this is not a year to be quiet. And being told by others, to pipe down. For some of you, this is a year for you to start shouting a little bit. For you to get bold. And you might be like, well, that's, I'm not the bold kind of type. From Leeds. <laughs> From Wakey. Don't say anything in Wakey. But maybe this is the year to stop being rebuked by others and to start rebuking others yourself. And go, actually, I will not stay quiet anymore. I will not pipe down anymore. But I'm not going to live with a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear. But I'm going to speak up. I'm going to have some boldness in me. And I'm going to speak up maybe when I shouldn't speak up. You know, before this first service, my, young, uh, my eldest lad was playing football. And I got to watch him play a little bit before I came to service. And... Uh, when you're a parent on the side of the pitch, part of the FA rules is everyone's got to be quiet. Okay? Respect. So all the parents just stand there like this. I'm always going, go on, Jay. Go on, you can get it. Go on, go for it. You know, and some, I'm all, people are always looking at me. But I'm like, what, are you going to tell me off for encouraging my own son? But anyway, one of the parents said something today in the game. And the wife was so embarrassed. It's almost like she rebuked him. She went, shush. And left her husband there. And she went and stood here. It's her way of saying, pipe down. Pipe down. And part of our British culture is always saying, pipe down. Part of our British culture is saying, you know, be quiet. You know, need to speak up. You know, you don't need to. You know, I, I spent the, I've been in America, had an opportunity to go to America this week. What a different world that is. Wow. Food everywhere. Lots of it. Amazing food, like place after place after place after place. I got to a point where I didn't eat for two days. I'm like, I'm just, I've got, I'm, I'm too full. And we had a great time and I was in a learning environment and with these churches learning about church and learning, or make so many things, really inspiring what we experienced. But one of the things I do love about it, there's this boldness in Americans. And sometimes you can be like, man, I find it too brash or you find it too in your face or whatever. But I do like there's a confidence. There's a boldness. Like we're just driving on the car road. Everyone, beep, beep, beep. I move out of my way. In church, people are going, that's good. Amen. And me, me and Dan laughed because someone was preaching last Sunday. And there was someone in the room going like this. Good preaching. Good preaching. 
And then someone else piped up on the other end, preach it, coach. And you're like, well, that, we don't do that in Wakey. <laughs> we don't do that in Leeds. I'm like, well, says who? Says who? And I'm not. <laughs> but who has, who has told our culture to be quiet? Who has told us to pipe down? Who has told us just to stay in the place and, you know, don't be so, don't be so, just be a bit more reserved. And you've got to be yourself. I get that. But for some of you, you are yourself at the expense of who you really want to be. And you use it, yeah, I'm just being myself. No, you're not yourself. You really want to be that, but you're told to be that. And so now you've just become conditioned to that. I'm not a psychotherapist, but, you know, that's just what I think. If you keep listening to the shushers, I made that word up. I think it's a good word. The shushers. If you keep listening to the shushers, you can easily miss out on what is ahead. Bartimaeus would have missed out on his healing if he'd listened to the shushers. If when they said, sit down, quiet, and he'd gone, okay, sorry. He'd still be blind now. He might have died 2,000 years ago. Don't miss out on what God has for you at the expense of the shushers. He shouted all the more is what I love. He shouted all the more. The more they told him to quiet down, the more he shouted. And if you don't have vision, sometimes the best thing is just to shout it out and just begin to speak. God, help me. Jesus, like, help me. I, I'm struggling. I can't see. I'm confused. I'm a di- disorientated. Like, Jesus, like, use your words because I believe vision always couples with confession that as you begin to confess sometimes you begin to see God said let there be light and there was light the vision he had for this created world God spoke it out wow that was perfect timing that Rohan and some of you have vision but you don't have words to it Verse 49, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Look what it says. It just says, Jesus stopped. Think on that for a moment. Jesus stopped. You know, some people are so important. Like you see presidents and prime ministers and you see like celebrities and sports stars. Like nothing's going to stop them. They're moving like whoever it is. You know, Ronaldo, 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 Ronaldo. Rishi Sunak. Rishi, no, maybe not Rishi. It's not the same kind of feel. Messy, messy, messy. You don't stop. Yet the Bible says Jesus stopped. Just think on that for a moment. Your faith has the ability to stop Jesus. Good preaching. Your faith has the ability to stop Jesus. I want faith this year that stops Jesus. I want us as a church this year to have some faith that stops Jesus, where it causes Jesus to say, stop. And who's that? Call them. Call them. Call that church over here. The Bible says, throwing his cloak aside, Bartimaeus jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I'm sure he was guided. Somebody probably had to hold on to someone's arm as they guided him to Jesus. 
took his cloak off, which is significant because cloaks were given to beggars at this time. It's almost like a high-vis jacket. It's like a lanyard to say you are a legitimate beggar. And the government aren't going to support you. And we're not going to give you health care. But we'll give you a lanyard. We'll give you a cloak so that the population can look after you. And so he has his cloak on. And the Bible says he throws his cloak aside as he's even being identified as this beggar. You see, his inability to see led to his inability to work. His inability to see led to his inability to work. And the removal of the cloak is a sign. My begging days are over. I'm going to receive my healing right now. And I was, I was thinking this week, because I've read this story lots of times. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, if his blindness caused him to be unable to work, then guess what? The vision that he receives now enables him to work. Bartimaeus is about to get a job. Bartimaeus is about to go and get some training. Bartimaeus is about to go to uni. He's about to be doing an apprenticeship. He's about to get some work experience. Bartimaeus is about to start building from his potential. He's about to start building a future. And what I began to realize is this, is vision creates work. The ability to see actually leads to work. So therefore, a vision-led church is a church that works. A visionless church is a church that doesn't go to work. People often say to me, wow, you know, you've got so much vision as a church. Because we have, and we'll share more about those plans in the coming weeks, but like, we want to do so much stuff. We're going to convert this building into the biggest community hub in Leeds. We're going to put, we want to put a community grocery in there. We'll have all of the side out there for our continual community cafe. We want to put classrooms in here. We want to put like a clinic in here, drop-in clinics. We want to do so many different things with this space. And that's just the start. Like there's so many things we want to do. The vision that we have for as a church. And some people are like, well, you've got so much vision. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of work. A vision-filled life is called work. If you don't have vision, you end up begging of other people's work. You expect them to support. You expect them to provide. You expect them to do things on your behalf because you are visionless. But when you are filled with vision, it is vision that leads to work. And in your life and in our church and whatever dreams and desires you have, let me tell you, If you have vision, it's going to take some effort. I sometimes think it'd be a lot easier not to have vision. Because we could sit on our hands and chill. But when you have a vision to reach people, when you have a vision to see souls saved, when you have a vision to see the kingdom of God taken territory, when you have a vision to see, you know, hell be shaken, how many of you know, you can't just sit on your hands. But the vision you have causes you to do some work you want to do anything in life, if you want to fulfill anything in your life, it is going to take some work. And that's okay. Effort is okay because it comes with vision. I prefer to have vision than be visionless. So therefore, I'll take the work. 
you know, this building that we've just signed on, this building is going to take a huge financial effort from all of us. Please don't excuse yourself thinking, well, mine, mine's going to be insignificant. No, it is, when I say huge, like sometimes I'm with abs going, hmm, I hope this is the right decision. Because it's a huge financial effort. You know the cost of building materials now. You know the cost of labour. You know the cost of all of that. And we've got to do all of that to that building, which is basically a shell, and then do the rest to this. But you know what? If we have vision and if we put in the work, I believe God is going to bless that. And I believe God will bless the work of our hands. Because what's the other option? What's the other option? The other option is to sit by the roadside hearing Jesus go by. To sit by the roadside and hearing what we could do and hearing what we could see and hearing things but going out, we, we, we're not into the work here at North. We don't want to put in that effort. But as a church, we throw off our cloak. We get to work to reach this city. See, sitting on our hands won't reach a city. But standing to our feet, like Bartimaeus did, and using our hands, will. Let's be like Bartimaeus. I want to see. If you have a vision of a harvest, guess what? It's called work. If you have a vision of a strong business, guess what? It's called work. If you have a vision of a strong career, guess what? It's called work. If you want a strong marriage, guess what? It's called work. If you want to be a strong parent, it's called work. Whatever you want to achieve, see, receive in your life, you cannot do it. I know Instagram tells you all you have to do is sit at home and do Instagrams from different angles. And hopefully you'll get enough traction where you don't have to work, but you can just take a picture of yourself on the beach once a week. No offense. But it's, that's virtual reality. It's work. And vision comes with work. We want the vision without the work. That's not a vision, vision that's imagination. Sweet dreams. Dreaming is good, but dreaming is simply a foretaste of a vision. It's the appetizer. That's why Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, teacher, I want to see. I can't keep living blind. And Jesus immediately heals him. And the Bible says, Bartimaeus receives his sight. And in Matthew 6, verse 22, I need to close, but the Bible says, the right vision will fill you with light. The right vision will fill your eyes are filled with light. And the Bible says that there was a man who was also blind who was healed by Jesus. Jesus picked up some dirt and put it in his eyes and the man got well. And the Pharisees come to the man and say, how did you get well? And the guy says, I've already told you, Jesus did it. Yeah, but how did he do it? He put some mud in my eyes and now I'm well. (laughs) The Pharisees scratching their head going, how can this be? I'm not sure this is right. He shouldn't really be doing this. And Jesus hears about it, calls the man over and says, what did they say? And he tells them what he said. And he says, but do you believe? And the man goes, yes, I do believe. And Jesus says something really interesting in that passage in John chapter 9. The Bible basically says there is what, there's something worse than being physically blind and it's being spiritually blind. He's like the Pharisees might be able to see, but they can't see. They are missing out on the fact that I am here. 
They are missing out on the fact that I am healing, that I'm providing, that I'm teaching, that I'm changing the world, that I'm going to save the world. And it is happening right in front of their eyes. And they are missing him. And the inability, like the Pharisees had, to see all that Jesus is doing around them can also apply to us. You know, Jesus is doing wonderful things across this city and in and even in this church. Do you know what? In this church, people are coming to Christ every single week. Every single week, people are coming to Christ. Alpha course that we started in January after just finishing it in December. Guess what? It's the biggest Alpha course we've ever done on a Monday night. That room is full. People hearing about Jesus getting baptized in the 10.30 a.m. service as a result of being on Alpha. Praise God. Today, 21 people getting baptized across our services, giving their life to Jesus. On Thursday night, just gone, the young adults weren't down here to play table tennis. They weren't out down here to play games or have a big shindig. They came and just prayed. Opened up the doors and just prayed, got on their knees and prayed. Next weekend, we've got a whole busload of teenagers who are going all the way to Wales and they're spending the weekend on how to become better leaders and spiritual leaders as church builders. 13, 14, 15 16. We've got people being counseled and mentored and receiving breakthrough in their, in their mind and through their, the journey of their life. And we don't always stand up here with a praise report, but that is happening time and time again. We've got people in their three gathering fellowship about being honest and encouragement and praying with each other, making friends and seeing their life being discipled. I want to see. And Jesus is doing it all around us. Don't miss out. Because sometimes we fail to see the new stuff because we're so familiar with the old stuff. Sometimes we fail to see the new because we're so familiar with the old stuff. Close with this. I want to show you some logos. I'm sure some of these logos you've seen before, but the first logo I want to show you is this one. Baskin Robbins, ice cream shop. Okay, and if you've seen that logo, what maybe some of you haven't seen is that there are 31 different varieties of ice cream in Baskin Robbins. Let me show you the next logo. The next logo is FedEx, a very popular company, but maybe some of you have not failed failed to see that there's an arrow put in the logo to show the direction that FedEx are always moving, taking things forward. Where's the next logo on here? We have Formula One. This one blew my mind. I've seen this logo nearly all my life and I've never seen that in between the black and the red is the number one. Have you seen that? Did anyone else not see that? I've never seen that in my life. Look at the last one, I think. Toblerone, my favourite chocolate, in case anyone wants to buy me some. Um, look, there's a big bear in the mountain. Some people in the first service were, oh, I can't see it, where is it? There are, the reason I show you these is because that creation has been there the whole time. We were sometimes blind to it. We couldn't see it. We're so familiar with what we know and what we see that we fail to see those things. I close with this scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, and the band and singers can come and we're going to close and we're going to baptise people. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. Paul is saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart, not just your physical eyes, because some of you are like, well, that's fine. But the eyes of your heart may be opened to see the riches of God, to see what Jesus is doing amongst us. And so I pray today that we would have the same words as Bartimaeus. I want to see in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We are going to close. 